welcome to this event on textiles and the circular economy organized by EURIC, the European Recycling Industries Confederation. I'm Kira Taylor, a journalist at Euractive, and I'll be moderating this event on how the textiles industry can become circular and sustainable. This Recyclers Talk is the second in a series of webinars on the circular economy. Make sure to follow Europe's website and social media for more information on their upcoming events. Unfortunately, Jan Hutima, who is due to give our closing statement, is not able to make it, but that gives us more time to get into your Q&A questions later. Today's event will be recorded and made available to the public as part of ERAC, the Digital Recycling Expo and Conference for Circular Economy and Waste Management. You can watch the recording on the 7th of May or it will be available on YouTube afterwards. Keep an eye on Eurex social media for the link. Today's event is also part of the EU Green Week. Now, textiles and clothing are essential for our everyday lives, but they can have a huge environmental impact. Over the last two decades, consumption of textiles has drastically changed, particularly the quick turnover of cheap and fast fashion. They are the fourth largest global contributor to resource use and greenhouse gas emissions. EU consumers discard 11 kilograms of textiles per person every year, but recycling rates are extremely low. In 2019, the Commission identified textiles as a priority product category for the circular economy. Textile production also uses a large amount of chemicals and it's estimated that 20% of water pollution is caused by dyes and finishing textiles. But reducing the pressures from textile production and the rate of consumption requires a systematic change in the industry. We'll be looking more into that in our Q&A debate later. You can join in by sending your questions for our panellists. For that, please use the Q&A box on the right of your screen, choosing the All Panellists option. Please also make sure to indicate the speaker to whom your question is addressed. But first to kick off our event today, we have three keynote speakers. The first is Mariska Zonfleet, President of Uric Textiles. Ms. Zonfleet is the co-owner and corporate communications executive of Burr Group, one of the largest textile reuse and recycling companies in Europe. They sort and collect over 110 million kilos of post-consumer textiles each year to prepare for reuse and recycling. Since 2019, she has also represented the textile recycling industry as president of Euric Textiles and in the presidency of the Dutch Association for Textile Reuse and Recycling. Ms. Sonkley, you have the floor. Thank you very much, Kira, for, for that introduction. Good morning and, good, and welcome everyone to uh, our Recyclers Talk today. Uh, with the topic uh, textiles. Uh, I would like to extend a special welcome to Maria Rincon, who is joining us from the Commission, and also my fellow panelists, uh, Jonas and Valeria, who will um, help me uh, to answer all, all of your burning questions uh, later this morning. Uh, today, we, were, we are going to discuss what is needed to make uh, textiles circular. Um, but I'd like to start just shortly um, by explaining why uh, we need to make textiles circular. As Kira already said, textiles and clothing are an essential part of our daily lives, and we have been buying more and more over the last two decades. Currently, uh, over 150 billion garments flood the earth every year, and we often don't realize that it, it has a huge impact on the environment to produce them. Um, just to give an example, um, it takes over 10,000 liters of water to produce a single pair of jeans. Uh, not to speak of CO2 emissions, when you look at the textile uh, production industry, uh, that CO2 emission is in fact higher than aviation and shipping combined. 
In other words, if we want to save the planet for our future generations, we need to reuse, recycle, and in the end, make textiles circular now. However, what is needed to make this transition, it's easily said than done. Um, it all starts with a separate collection of textiles from the household waste. Uh, currently, it's, it's estimated in uh, 2019, 2.8 million kilos were collected separately within the EU. Um, in 2025, we will have a, a mandatory separate collection system in each EU member state, and estimates are that um, the volume of separately collected textiles may go up to 5.5 5 .5, uh, million tons. This is a huge amount of, of textiles, a huge volume, um, and we need to start by um, handling that properly, uh, select, um, uh, um, uh, separately uh, collecting it, so that uh, we can retain the value which, which is inside the, the textiles. Um, what we find inside textile bins nowadays, uh, Kira was already explaining, uh, my company, our company sorts 100 million uh, kilos every, every year, is a great diversity. It is not just textile items that you find in the textile bin. It is basically anything and everything the consumer finds is a little bit like textiles that, will, that will, they will put in the bin. So it also includes shoes, accessories, uh, belts, uh, toys, you name it. Um, so what is essential after the textiles have been separately collected is that there uh, is an item-based sort of sorting that takes place. Every item, whether it be textiles or shoes or an accessory, that is fit to be reused should be reused. Reuse is the uh, by far the, the best way of recycling at the moment as it has the least environmental impact. Um, so sorting for reuse is essential there. Um, and this sorting has to meet the worldwide demand for secondhand textiles and clothing. Uh, this demand is huge. I, I really like to want, want to stress that there's a huge global demand for secondhand clothing. Um, nearly 70 of the percent world population is in need of secondhand clothes. But uh, an item is only reusable when it's also marketed in the right way. So this is why uh, sorting by well-trained and knowledgeable sorters is essential. Um, textiles and clothing are extremely suited for prolonged re, uh, reuse, use and reuse, uh, when their design is durable. This is one of uh, uh, the main calls from Europe Textiles as well. Uh, it, it is a call for durable production of, of textiles. Um, so in, in the design, uh, it's kept account with that the clothes or the textiles can be worn or used again as long as possible. Uh, this is also following, of course, the steps in the waste hierarchy. Uh, when we look at tackling uh, the problem of the growing uh, textile um, waste, then we have to start by, by reusing. Uh, of course, there are also um, currently uh, items in the textile bin that are no longer fit to be reused uh, or reworn because they're either too dirty or worn out or um, just not fit. Um, this accounts for currently 30%, uh, and this is going for material recovery. Um, in the current situation, that is mainly uh, production for wipers and mechanical recycling, where the uh, textiles are shredded onto a fiber level and then used again in, for instance, in insulation materials um, and uh, car parts. Uh, currently, at the moment, less than 1% is actually fiber to fiber. And with fiber to fiber, we are talking about um, fibers that can be used again as raw materials in new clothing. 
um, this this percentage is, is way too low and uh, in fact that that is where our true challenge lies for the future so why is this so low um, it has to do in effect with two things um, one it's technically complicated to recy recycle textiles I think we will go further into that during our panel discussion uh, and two it is very costly uh, recycling even the mechanical recycling uh, costs money and it costs more money than it actually uh, uh, brings brings money so um, what is needed is that we have an end market for recycled content for recycled fibers that there is not only a, a willingness uh, on the producer side to use recycled fibers uh, but also the ability to, to pay for that um, and the problem is also that there is a, a huge fin a financial gap at the moment between recycled material and virgin material and we need to close this gap. This is really essential if we want, are to move from a linear to a circular system in textiles. Um, <clears throat> to do that, um, uh, policy is needed. Uh, EPR uh, framework uh, is, is, is very, very useful there. Um, and um, the, the, of course, the, the, the quality has to be improved, but in the end, it's, it's about closing this, this financial gap. Our ultimate goal is upcycling. Uh, but we must remember that we are in a global marketplace. Um, so we need all stakeholders in the textile chain to be involved. Uh, we need not only to consider what is needed uh, to uh, make the textile circular, but also who is needed. So um, from my point of view, it is also very important that we are in constant dialogue with each other, with the weavers, with the spinners, with the manufacturers, with the brands, with the fashion industry. Um, so we can tell them from our, our point of view uh, what we find at, at, at the end of the life cycle of the textiles, but they also need to tell us what is needed and what they are willing to, again, buy from us to make it economically interesting to recycle textiles. Um, to stop here, because we have a, quite a, a full program uh, this morning and uh, I'm sure a lot of questions, which I look forward to answering. Uh, so I thank you now for your attention. Thank you, Ms. Lumley. A really useful overview of the challenge, but also maybe how we can overcome it. Next, we're going to hear from Maria Rincon-Liavana. She has been working on circular economy policies for the past five years and currently holds the position of team leader for circular economy within the unit in charge of the implementation of the Circular Economy Action Plan in the European Commission's Directorate General for the Environment. She also works in the field of circular economy and textiles, and is keen on exchanging best practices in the area of sustainable consumption and production. Ms. Rincon-Livana, you have the floor. Thank you very much, Kira. Thank you, Mariska, because you indeed uh, did a very good overview of well, why we need to act and why it's so important um, uh, moving towards circularity for, in the field of textiles. I wanted to thank as well the invitation to take part in these recycle talks and on a topic that is as relevant as this one, and uh, I'm very glad to be able to hear directly and, and from uh, the, the, the those in the in the value chain that really need to make sure that we close the loop that are recyclers. Um, as you already mentioned, I think uh, uh, textile were identified first in the European Green Deal. Uh, that is the sustainable growth agenda for Europe. Um, but after uh, the, the commitment was reiterated in the Circular Economy Action Plan for a more competitive Europe, that identifies a key product value chain, textile and mounding. 
um, white textiles. Um, I think we also need to look into the economic uh, uh, necessity to, to increase the sustainability of textiles. This is one of the major benefits that brings the circular economy. It's uh, a joint agenda to uh, ensure that uh, the protection of the environment uh, goes hand in hand with uh, increasing competitiveness. Um, and we cannot forget that the textile sector is, uh, has been severely hit by the COVID crisis. And um, we, can we should not only forget, uh, look at um, the economic crisis, waiting in the background are three interrelated environmental uh, uh, challenges, climate, biodiversity loss and pollution. Uh, zooming into uh, the economic and the competitiveness reasons to act, uh, let me remind you that the textile and clothing industry is a significant sector for the EU economy. Employs more, one, the, more than 1.5 million people in the EU and produces a turnover of around uh, 160 billion. Um, even if we see that uh, uh, we are starting to see some incipient recovery uh, signals in the sectors. Uh, the COVID was harmful for, for, for the pr uh, producers of textiles and uh, it is, has been estimated that in 2020 production and retail sales of clothing dropped by 15 and 9 percent respectively. And looking as regard of the environmental concerns that have been already shared by, by Mariska, the main uh, concern is that it still operates in a mostly linear way. A vast amount of resources are extracted to produce items that are used for a very short period of time and then thrown away. On average, European consumes, according to the European Environmental Agency, 26 kilograms of textiles per person per year, and the resources they contain are discarded and after wasted. A linear model that is producing, consuming, and throwing away textile generate environmental impacts such as climate impact. Uh, Mariska mentioned that this has been estimated that the impact of the global apparel industry is to be higher, that all international flights and maritime shipping combined, pre-COVID pre scenario, of course, that the, it's not a surprise for anyone in this webinar that the presence of substances of concern hampers uh, the quality of recycling and at the same time pollutes water and soil. And then most importantly as well, uh, we should not forget that half a million tons of microfibers from washing synthetics are released in the ocean every year. But I want to remain in the positive angle. There are untapped opportunities uh, from these economic and environmental challenges. And uh, the Green Deal, the European Green Deal and the Circular Economy Action Plan offers uh, instruments to transform these uh, challenges into opportunities. Very briefly, and to set a little bit the, the ground for the discussion that will take place in, in the panel after, the circular economy is an economic model where the value of material and products is kept in the economy for as long as possible. And I agree with the title of this event and with the objective of this event, that is uh, to explore what is required to move towards a circular economy. And indeed, it requires a systemic transformation. And there are three main, main building blocks that I consider essential to ensure that this systemic transformation uh, takes the textile sector towards circularity uh, that builds a long-term vision. Uh, first of all, design. Um, we need to act at the very beginning of the life cycle. 
just uh, as an example, the choice of materials and the design influence environmental and climate impacts and the end of life options available. It allows to plan for longer lifetime, for instance, by uh, avoiding shirking or color loss. It allows for planning uh, increased recyclability, uh, for instance, by avoiding certain combination of materials. And most importantly, allows for planning for reducing pollution and microplastic release. The shift towards um, uh, looking at the end of life cycle to really uh, reduce waste generation uh, towards uh, starting to act at the beginning of the life cycle is a key component of the new circular economy action plan that was adopted by the Commission uh, a year ago. And the, this uh, circular economy action plan announces uh, that the Commission will present a sustainable product legislative initiative uh, by the end of this year. This uh, legislative initiative, its aim at setting up principled and designed requirements to make all products in the European Union sustainable, so to make green products the norm. Uh, this is the framework for textile to operate, and uh, since the action plan already identifies uh, the priority sector to which it will be applied, it's a little bit too early to, for me to, to be definitive on the, on the scope. Uh, the preparations for this legislative initiative are ongoing and, uh, and the open public consultation to gather the views from all the stakeholders will remain open until the 9th of June. So I, I warmly encourage you to contribute. Um, but it's not only looking at design, it's also to promote sustainable lifestyles. And, uh, and if for that, we need to provide consumers with better information on the environmental impacts of, of the product they purchase, but also uh, we need to provide them with alternatives to fight the linear model, um, either by tackling false green claims, either identifying textile with a low environmental impact, for instance, through uh, the EU eco-label. Um, there's another angle that is, uh, has potential uh, to really boost the change for sustainable lifestyle, that is uh, uh, new business models and, and uh, online platforms that will enable citizens to share second-hand clothing or determine and personalize, personalize the design of clothing. <clears throat> this angle will, will be looked at as well in the context of the Sustainable Product Legislative Initiative uh, to ensure that consumers receive uh, information that is uh, accurate on products, for instance, on, on the durability or reparability. Um, the Commission is preparing a legislative proposal to empower consumers. The Commission is also preparing a, a, another proposal to um, um, request companies that want to put on the market a, a product uh, with an environmental claim, that this environmental claim is uh, substantiated on the basis of uh, um, uh, uh, harmonized life cycle assessments, uh, in this case, product environmental footprint and uh, organization environmental footprint. And I know that uh, the textile sector, the sector is working on, on the establishment of uh, product category for product environmental footprint for apparel that is uh, ongoing work currently uh, in the making. As uh, Mariska also mentioned, and I, I would expect to have more discussion on this during the panel discussion, uh, for this transformation to, to happen, first prevention and then recycling of waste play a key role. 
Uh, we should not forget that the Commission already put on the table an ambitious revision of the waste framework legislation that was adopted by the co-legislator in 2018. And we are now in the process of implementing it together with member states and, and with the stakeholders. Just to give you some example of the provisions that were included in this revision of the waste framework that, uh, legislation that uh, can have an impact on textile, for instance, member states will be required to take measures to encourage reuse of products and uh, encourage to set up systems for promoting repair and reuse activities, in particular for textiles. Uh, Mariska already mentioned the upcoming legal obligation to separate the collect textile that will enter into force by 20, at the beginning of 2025. This could be a major game changer towards circularity, but it will require that industry, public authorities and citizens work together. The increase of bullion of textile collected thanks to the, the, to the establishment of this uh, legal obligation has the potential to as well boost markets for recycled materials. Why? Because it will um, push uh, the market to uh, put forward uh, new technologies and uh, to set up new innovative recycling infrastructures. And, and then for the uptake of this uh, uh, recycled material markets, it will be also important to rely on information sharing, either on the chemical and fiber composition. And for that, uh, the digital product passport has potential as well to uh, bring more clarity on, on, on the fiber composition and the chemical composition. This is something as well that will be established uh, in the context of the uh, sustainable product legislative initiative I mentioned before. It's a very heavy agenda. It's a transformative, uh, transformative agenda. Uh, we need to ensure that uh, the, the right enablers are, are put forward to ensure that the, this transformation is inclusive and bring together industry, uh, consumers, um, pub public authorities across Europe. Um, we should not forget that textile sector has a strong international dimension and European producers um, should work uh, uh, within transparent value chains and they should be able to trace back the life of materials and components of these products. There's ongoing work on a legislative proposal on uh, corporate sustainability governance that is upcoming in the next uh, month that will set up this uh, um, horizontal uh, due diligence needed for environmental impact as well for social impacts. Uh, we will need to see how this integrates with uh, textile global value chains. Uh, to uh, bring clarity and, and transparency, uh, transparency uh, along the value, the value chains. Um, um, the EU also engaged to, on international cooperation and partnerships uh, that will help to mainstream these sustainable consumption and production patterns, including in terms of land and water use and, and the use of chemicals. A strong pillar that we should keep in mind investments, uh, financing, uh, bridging the gap that Mariska was already mentioning um, and that it will help uh, to address some of the challenges that the recycling industry uh, is facing right now in order to set up these uh, technologies, this infrastructure to make sure textile are recycled and transforming high quality secondary materials. Uh, the staff working document accompanies the recovery plan already identified some of these investment needs and the, the potential of ne next generation EU as well as the reinforced EU budget is there. It will unleash the necessary liquidity to support production processes, but also design uh, 
the development of new materials, uh, the establishment of new uh, business model, as well as infrastructure and capacity for, for reuse and recycling. I would like to conclude that uh, I'm really looking forward to this change of views uh, later, uh, because uh, we really need to explore in depth the challenges and barriers uh, the stakeholders along the value chain for textile are facing. But also I would like to hear what do we see together the potential uh, for the future lays, lies in design, in investments, in collaboration along the value chain. Uh, the Circular Economy Action Plan and the Green Deal set the ground on how to bring textile sector to circularity, announced, announced a comprehensive strategy to bring together these elements to set up a clear framework. The public consultation activities are going to be launched and I would like to hear from, from this panel discussion what do we need to, to set up uh, or to include in this comprehensive framework to, to bring textiles uh, together towards circularity. Thank you very much and I, I give the floor to Kira. Thank you, Ms. Rincon-Giovanna, and it's good to hear what the Commission are doing but also how we need to support consumers to be able to shop sustainably because there is so much fast fashion and not always that uh, good labelling. Now, both you and Ms. Sankli will be joining us for our Q&A session later on. So please, to our audience, keep those questions coming in. We will try to get through as many as possible. Please make sure you are using the Q&A box right to the right of your screen, using the All Panelists option, and make sure to say who your question is addressed to. First, though, let's hear from our final speaker, uh, Delara Burkhardt. She is a member of the European Parliament for the Social Democratic Party of Germany and in 2019 became the youngest German MEP. A member of the Environment Committee, she works mainly on climate and biodiversity protection and also the circular economy. She is currently working on introducing European rules for deforestation-free supply chains and is rapporteur for the issue. Ms. Burkhardt, you have the floor. Thank you very much um, also inviting me on, on giving a keynote on this important topic, not directly linked to my activities in deforestation though, but we are really working and building bridges within the European Parliament um, to, to have a holistic approach also while policy making when it comes um, to the textile sector as we uh, work together with MEPs from all committees, from the trade to the environmental impact to have this holistic approach and also deliver um, a good input for the Commission when it comes to the holistic textile strategy. So talking in general about textiles, um, whether clothing, but but other products, they are actually our second skin. They surround us every day. They surround us everywhere. And today, it has already been mentioned, the fashion industry is mostly unsustainable and is not part of a holistic circular economy yet. So the one important landmark where you can see this is that the fashion industry has introduced more collections than there are seasons in a year. and clothing sales have been clearly decoupled from demand a lot. So the number of garments that produced annually has doubled since 2000, while the quality of our clothes is getting worse and worse and being far away from anything that we could call ready for circular economy. Less than 1% of textiles, it has been mentioned already, are currently processed into new textiles. So thus, we are not only wasting resources, the valuable raw materials we are using for textiles, they are actually lost. And this is something that has to be, has to end. 
from 2025, used clothing and other textiles are to be collected separately throughout Europe to facilitate reuse and high quality recycling. But this alone, is this alone enough to meet all the requirements and challenges? Certainly, this won't be enough. And it has been mentioned that the whole supply chain has to be um, looked at. But also, we have seen, talking now from an um, environmental perspective, with the rise of the fast fashion, fashion industry, we have seen a boom of side-tentic fibers that has occurred. And today, more than 60% of textiles are produced out of synthetics, most as well of, of polyester. The worse the quality of our clothes becomes, and I'm talking to experts here, so the, the worse the quality of our clothes becomes, the more difficult it is to recycle. So we need to start focusing on the design process. The Green Deal is, it has been mentioned already, Europe's model for sustainable development designed to bring together environmental, social and economic sustainability and also to guide Europe's economic recovery from the COVID crisis. So the constant downward pressure on social and environmental standards is leading to more and more social inequalities and environmental devastation. The circular economy in that way also must play a major part in managing the transition towards a social, economic and environmental sustainable lifestyle, as it has been mentioned. The Green Deal has, however, a different angle of solutions and delivers certain answers with the Circular Economy Action Plan, which has been published earlier last year, just before the global pandemic reached Europe. And it already has also been mentioned that the worldwide pandemic has just shown us in a very dramatic way how important it is that we need a systematic shift, especially in the textile supply chains. But we are not talking about cherry picking and choosing certain sectors, global consumption of materials such as biomass, fossil fuels, minerals are to double in the next 40 years, while annual waste generation is projected to increase by 70% by 2050. So what we want to do with this holistic circular economy approach is to recycle waste to obtain raw materials and also make sure that products are designed to last and can be reused and recycled in order to have a higher value in their entire life cycle. It is clear that if we raise our recycling targets and we create the conditionalities for high quality recycling system, we will obtain raw materials that instead of ending up in a landfill, they will enter the cycle and market. This means, and this is a, a systematic shift, that waste has a value. The waste is not a burden anymore, but becomes an economic asset. And if it's an economic asset, it means that it will pay more attention, that we will pay more attention to it both when we recycle and at home, but also when companies begin their manufacturing process. And this means that we will create new jobs and create economic value. Europe must move to a circular model of production and consumption that respects our planetary limits. And that is where the cycle comes back to the clothing. A world without clothing um, won't be possible. We need a holistic approach on, on circular economy to reduce the environmental and climate impact of textile production and consumption. We need effective action in the areas of materials, fabrics, design, production, distribution, use and reuse, collection and recycling. A certain key role is extended the, the extended producer responsibility for new textiles in, in accordance with the waste hierarchy. We need to create incentives for textiles to be designed in such a way that they can actually be reused so they are able to stay in a closed loop cycle. So as it has been mentioned already, a comprehensive 
textile strategy on a European scale needs to be uh, is a very complex task, and we are really look, looking what uh, looking forward as European Parliament to to make up to this because we know how important um, the sustainable textile sector is. And this is where I will stop my contribution, and I'm very excited to listen to the debate and. Um, I like to say that um, we should start together a fashion revolution based on the systematic shift we need in the industry to, to really um, have change when it comes about sustainability. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Berkow. And for explaining sort of the, the importance of recycling targets, I think they, they are important across all recycling, but particularly possibly for fashion as we're looking at really bringing in recycling across the, the whole board. Uh, thank you to you and to all our keynote speakers today. We now turn to our debate on how textiles can become a circular industry. As I mentioned, Ms. Zonfleet and Ms. Ronkon-Livano will be staying with us for our debate. They are joined by Jonas Ada Hansen, Public Affairs Director at Global Fashion Agenda, the foremost leadership forum for industry collaboration on sustainability in fashion. In this role, he leads government affairs, policy and related stakeholder engagement and the creation of impactful industry commitments on a regional and international level. We are also joined by Valeria Botta, Program Manager at Environmental Coalition on Standards, or ECOS, uh, focusing on textiles and microplastics. She has 10 years experience in EU advocacy and a background in international and European studies. Thank you all for joining us. I'd like to remind our audience that they can leave their questions in our Q&A box at the right of your screen and please indicate to whom your question is addressed. Now I'd like to invite our two new panellists to start with a brief introduction on their position on textiles and the circular economy. Ms. Ada Hansen, if you would like to go first, you have the floor. Thanks so much. Um, yeah, so uh, my name is Jonas and um, I'll, I'll be uh, brief. Uh, maybe just a, a quick introduction on Global Fashion Agenda. We're a uh, an international Copenhagen-based uh, non-profit organization um, that aims to guide fashion leaders around the world to make sustainability a strategic priority um, and including of course in there also circularity. Uh, we are basically on a mission to bridge the gap between sustainability and fashion uh, by convening and mobilizing the international fashion industry. Uh, we are um, behind um, the largest annual event on sustainability in fashion called the Copenhagen Fashion Summit, and we uh, annually publish also um, Fashion Leaders Guide to um, Sustainability called the uh, Fashion CEO Agenda. Um, thanks so much, Eurek, for having me on board uh, on the recycling talks, and also thank you, Eurek, for uh, putting a spotlight on the industry, uh, hopefully more to come in the future. Um, so overall at GFA, we subscribe to the El MacArthur Foundation vision for a circular economy for fashion and textile. Um, basically a circular economy for fashion um, where products are used more, uh, used for longer time, including the focus on durability, but also emotional longevity uh, is, is a part of, of this new business models uh, that can help um, uh, extend the life of products, but also that products are made to be made again. So basically uh, focusing on, you know, designed for uh, disassembly, for example, uh, designed for recycling, but also the move away from landfilling and incineration. Um, and finally, of course, um, products that are made from safe and recycled materials. 
So um, move away from harmful substances, uh, the effective use of resources, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, um, and, and also we have, a, we have another vision um, specifically focused on uh, how to also work with, uh, with policymakers uh, in this field around circular uh, fashion and textile, because together with the Sustainable Apparel Coalition, the Federation of European Sporting Goods Industries, uh, Textile Exchange, and the CDC, the Zero Discharge of Harmful Chemicals, we are working within the policy hub to really unite the apparel and footwear industry to speak in one voice and propose policies that accelerate the circular practices. Because we basically, we need to move faster as an industry um, and we need to increase collaboration with policymakers, recyclers, investors, and other and other important stakeholders. But particular policymakers and recyclers, which is also the, the focus uh, for 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 uh, our discussion here today, um, we need to transition to a sustainable and circular model. Um, it's clear that this requires a systemic change, and hence also a new legal framework as we see it. Um, so. We are also extremely happy to see that the textile industry is being appointed sort of focus industry status in the circular economy action plan. Um, because, you know, as, as many of you already know, I mean, we've heard some of the facts and um, some of the facts, well, yeah, let's, we can discuss whether they are easy to, uh, to find on the, on the internet when you quickly Google uh, impact of the fashion and, and textile industry and which one of, which one of them actually um, are true once you dive into them. So a lot of talk about fa uh, facts and factoids, uh, but that's another discussion. But I mean, it's, it's clear that we have a huge impact as an industry. Um, and so we, we need to speed up the pace. And I mean, it's the, the, we've you've already heard about the economic benefits. Um, I'm not going to go into uh, to those details, but they're clearly there. And I think it's, it's just important to mention that a lot of brands and retailers within the industry, but also manufacturers have really initiated the process of redesigning their products, life cycles, complexities. However, complexities around um, changing the linear model have really slowed down um, the movement towards circularity because it is very com complex. It's not easy. Um, and certainly the pandemic has not made it easier, uh, but that should not be an excuse uh, because unless the whole industry acts now, the industry um, really, basically, I mean, the, the linear model currently within the industry risks pushing um, past planetary boundaries. Um, so, I mean, really in response to uh, COVID, uh, the pandemic, we have encouraged companies to work within their value chain uh, work with their supply chain partners to re really identify how companies can uh, go on a pathway uh, towards circularity. And just, you know, one quick example where we're working uh, directly with a number of brands and retailers and uh, their supply chain partners, manufacturers, specifically focused on, on, on Bangladesh, working with BGMEA, the, 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 uh, one of the national um, key organizations, um, to, to really establish a system that will collect and sort textile waste um, right at the manufacturing stage um, to avoid those between 10 to 20 percent of textile waste um, in the cut and sew uh, process uh, and really try to increase the recycling capacity on the ground 
um, and, and eventually, of course, make more recyclable content available on the market that is ready to go into products instead of using virgin materials. Um, so again, in that specific example, also policymakers are really key in order to help facilitate the agenda forward. And I mean, as already mentioned, and this is my final, final comment, the industry is already doing a lot. I mean, uh, we've been driving uh, specific projects and commitments, setting targets for the industry. Uh, the carbon foundations uh, make fashion circular, um, pace, uh, fashion for goods, uh, textile 2030. I mean, I could go on, the list is long um, with a lot of existing industry initiatives. There is one issue though that we tend to see is that it's many around the same, you know, let's say around 100 to 150 companies that are very active in all of these um, ongoing initiatives. Um, and of course, that's not right. That's not really enough to be able to talk about a whole industry. So we need that further partnership and collaboration uh, with key stakeholders and, and really policymakers and recyclers are key here. Um, so engaging with policymakers and recyclers to really develop collection, sorting, recycling infrastructures, as well as enhancing and incentivizing mechanisms to, to scale circular fashion systems um really is is the key and including also of course the move of waste at a global scale is crucial so thank you so much thank you mr Rader hansen i think we're going to hear about a systematic change a lot today so it's very interesting to hear your take on that and also we have uh, Ms. Potter. um welcome uh please could you give us your take on this topic as well and then we can get to our q a yes thanks kira and first of all, I mean, thank you very much, Yurik, Emmanuel, Julia and Mariska for having us here today. Um, indeed, um, very timely topic, as you know, the Sustainable Product Policy Initiative uh, consultation is, is open. Thank you very much for all the, the opening talk, uh, Maria and, and, and Delara was uh, very inspiring to see so many of, uh, let's say, the the key topics already covered by you in your in your introductory speech. I mean, from from our side, ECOS is a, an NGO and is based in Brussels. It has a, a global reach. Um, we have been working for over 20 years on eco-design policies and implementation. So, of course, when it comes to where to look for a solution, we tend to focus from the start and from the beginning. Um, we have published a report um, a couple of weeks ago that is called durable, repairable and mainstream and how eco-design can make um, our textile circular. Have a look. We have uh, quite a lot of, of, uh, of ideas and happy to discuss those in, in more um, details uh, during the, the discussion. Of course, <clears throat> for us, for if we want a sustainable product to become the norm, uh, in the EU, the primary focus would be to remove the unnecessary, inefficient, toxic and polluting uh, products from the EU market first, um, then complemented with better uh, consumer information, of course, so very happy to hear uh, Maria that you've uh, pointed out the empowered consumer, the, the green claims, etc, etc. And at the same time, we need to slow down the loop. So we all talk about the circularity of uh, on how to push this very linear um, industry towards more circularity. So we need to slow down the loop, so reduce the use 
of resources and uh, prolong the use, useful um, life of textile products. Of course, I mean, um, happy to have uh, um, MEP Burkert here today because I mean the the holistic vision of this is very important. So as you know, um, MEPs have called in February for um, consumption binding consumption target. Um, so that would kind of uh, frame it nicely to slowing um, down the loop. And at the same time, so the need for material and consumption footprint reduction target uh, for, for us are quite key. And then we need to close the loop. So um, enable the recycling of products and material, of course, keeping in mind the waste hierarchy and uh, favoring, of course, the, the value retention. I'm very happy to hear also from Mariska, I mean, the, the reuse part and, and kind of having reuse um, targets will be crucial in order to have this uh, um, value being reflected and uh, this uh, waste hierarchy being reflected as well. Because we strongly believe that mandatory minimum requirements are essential to begin the transformation of the textile sector towards circularity with design for durability. So both physical, functional of how a garment and how a textile product is put together, but also emotional. So when you actually design clothes that you want to use over and over again and uh, hopefully pass it on to <laughs> the next generation and reuse and share it with your friends so what we also have in mind is uh, more of a product as a system so that it's um, it's kind of yeah the sharing economy the rental etc etc so the design for durability may increase the lifespan of textile reducing textile waste and overall the use of virgin material and chemicals because of course the uh, um, textile industry is a huge um they use a lot of course of of, of chemicals and uh, that needs to be to be tackled especially hazardous chemicals and uh, more durable products with longer life time are associated overall with higher environmental benefit we hear it from everybody so of course then uh, it has to be coupled with uh, um, reuse repair and, and recycling Kira, you came up very big on my screen. That's because my time is up. Yeah, so if we could get, but yeah. thank you so much for, for explaining that and yeah, going over what everyone said so far, it's, it's really key. Can I, can I just add one, uh, one last course. point? Because we are talking about uh, recycling, we are talking about waste. Um, Maria said quite a lot of things about the, the global supply chain. I mean, for from a, our, we are part of a, a coalition of civil society organizations, so please do take care about the environmental side, but also the, the social aspect to it. So very happy to hear the, the, the due diligence uh, chapter will be kept in this overarching um, umbrella. And then for the waste uh, shipments, I mean, we should be able to deal with our own waste and only ship it under very, very strict condition and not to... Um, kind of export our way of consumption. Thank you. Um, we have a brilliant question in our Q&A to kick us off from Alan Wheeler. Uh, how do we become circular and also ensure that reusable items are kept in use instead of being diverted into recycling? I've seen so-called upcycling, where perfectly good items are being cut up to be refashioned. That is not circular. Ms. Bottom, maybe you can start with that and then we'll hand it around to other panelists. 
Sure, thanks, Kira. Thank you very much for for this question. I mean, of course, what what I was hinting earlier about a reuse target is because, of course, when it comes to products that we do not want, and for example, we we give to charity or with the the sorting and the separate sorting that will be put out, we need to support the reuse sector and prevent all of these huge um, pile of of textile products that are in very good and well conditioned to be first reused and then recycled. Hope it covers. So we need mandatory um, um, targets for use. Ms. Sunfleet, do you want to come in on that question? Yeah, uh, thank you, Kira. Actually, I do. Um, I think what we must remember is that in the end, uh, the reuse market uh, works because uh, there is a business, business model behind that. Uh, it has worked for over 100 years. I mean, it's it's nothing new, really. Um, the problem is with recycling that there is no end market, no demand for recycled content. So um, the economics in recycling do not work. So if we want to move from a linear to a more circular model, we have to make sure that they, they, they start working. Um, just um, trying to answer part of Alan's question there as well. Um, a circular model is not per definition a sustainable model. Uh, in the end, if we want to make textiles circular, uh, it will um, it will require uh, a lot of energy and a lot of effort, and in the end, have uh, uh, an environmental impact. Um, so, a sustainable model is when we follow the steps in the waste hierarchy. I completely agree with Valeria there. Uh, this is the only way to tackle um, the textile waste problem. Uh, we have to always take out and reuse for as long as possible whatever can be reused before we move on to recycling. Um, so that, that is very important. Um, and yes, I also need to, to stress there again uh, that uh, we have to make the economics in textile, so uh, or in textile recycling. So the only way we're going to do that is if we know clearly from uh, the next um, uh, users in the, in, in, or, or the manufacturers, let's put it that way, what they need from this recycling process as, as their feedstock, as their input. This is the way we can move towards more circularity. Can I add a comment there? Of course. Uh, Kira, um, no, just uh, wanted to also follow up. I think there's, there's maybe um, a couple of learnings. Uh, we don't have the, the, the perfect model yet, but um, I mentioned uh, also our uh, current ongoing project in uh, in Bangladesh, uh, where we're not just looking at um, you know recycling um, and and you know collection and sorting of of um, post production waste, but also looking at um, some of the, uh, the 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 dead stock and overstock that has uh, you know basically been a result of the pandemic, but it's not as such a, a new thing for the industry. Um, I think there's potentially a couple of learnings we can we can actually uh, take out of that, um, focusing on remanufacturing. Of course, this is also again it has to be economically viable, and is at the current stage not something that is calculated into the way we um, manufacture uh, our products. But I think there are some opportunities um, that uh, that that the industry is currently looking at. Uh, in terms of how remanufacturing can actually play uh, a more important role so that we don't end up where Alan Wheeler exactly is also mentioning um, that, you know, perfectly um, uh, well-functioning goods are actually uh, sent to incineration or 
landfill or recycling um, where they could be uh, could be used. Um, maybe they just need a, a, a quick touch up um, and, and, and therefore could be done through some um, uh, remanufacturing, but we need to build the capacity for that. And I think there is ongoing activities going in that direction within the industry. Kia, if I may to intervene? Of course. Yeah. Thank you very much. I, I wanted to come back up for a second on, on this point on, on the sustainability of circular economy. Uh, I really think that uh, circular economy is sustainable because as I was uh, trying to explain at the beginning during my keynote, uh, we see circular economy like an, an, a model that encompass uh, benefits, uh, not only environmental, but also uh, boosting competitiveness of industry. And we see this because, um, for instance, applying resource, efficient, uh, uh, resource efficiency practices uh, for businesses, you can reduce the, the needs for input on raw materials. Uh, for instance, water, but we also see circular economy as a, uh, contributing strongly to the social agenda. It was mentioned by by Valeria, but I also see it here in Europe. Uh, the the social economy is very much linked to these models of repair and reuse, and this is a direct contribution that the, the circular economy can can make uh, to it. And I wanted to also come back to the point on. How do we make uh, the business case for recycling of textiles? I think we need to act on both supply and demand side. So, uh, for instance, uh, I see that uh, uh, setting minimum requirements uh, for the uptake of recycled content on one hand, so boosting the recycled, uh, the uptake of recycled content on the demand side, but also removing barriers for the recycling of textiles and also acting on this, on improving the circulation of waste. This is something that is one of the objective of the waste shipment regulation that is currently being, uh, the commission is preparing the revision and it will be uh, presented after the summer. It's important to really remove these uh, barriers to, for the uptake of all, both uh, recycling material and recycling technologies. I just want to follow up with a question we had from Eric Kratz uh, with uh, you, Mr. Nkondi-Ivana. Uh, will the upcoming sustainable, sustainability textile strategy consider specific EPR reuse or recycling targets, for instance, on carpets and tiles, or rather horizontal circularity requirements for the whole sector? Uh, I think it's a very quick, complete question that touches upon many of different initiatives. So uh, I don't think I can reply with a single yes or no. Uh, the, the, the revision of the waste legislation and the waste framework directive uh, already establishes uh, that the commission will uh, look into the feasibility of setting targets for reuse and, and, and recycling of textiles, if I'm not wrong, by, by December 2024. So the commission will uh, take uh, the, the necessary steps to, prepare, to prepare the assessment of, of the need of, of indeed setting these this targets. Another thing is that businesses and consumer can engage to commit to reuse more. So it's it's a, another work strand that I think uh, Jonas uh, with uh, the Global Fashion Agenda commitments are working a little bit on that. Um, regarding EPR schemes, uh, uh, the, the Waste uh, Framework Directive already established minimum requirements uh, that uh, 
will set at EU level. Um, we know that uh, there are CPR schemes that are working for textile in the case of France. We are also seeing that there's interest from other member states to set up these this schemes that will be based on these minimum horizontal requirements that were put uh, forward in the Waste Framework Directive. Uh, in the next year, we will need to see uh, if an EPR for textile makes sense specifically, or if we, we need to act to set up one at the EU level. It's a little bit too early to uh, to come with a definitive answer, but it's indeed uh, part of the wage framework directive, and, and uh, it's something that we will look in the horizon. Horizon, yes. Thank you. And uh, Mr. Johansson, perhaps you'd like to come uh, back to that. And also, we have a question for you from Erica Van Dorn. Um, how can we overcome the immense disconnect between brands and producers on the one hand and textile collectors and sorters in Europe on the other? Right. Thank you. Um, so let me come back on that question, just um, following up on, on Maria. Um, in terms of what we created with the uh, 2020 circular fashion commitment that we created back in 2007 actually was to to, to not seven 2017 um it, it would have been great to do it in in seven but um we basically created um a way for um fashion brands uh, both small and medium-sized but also larger ones to start um set, setting targets basically and 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 around four specific um uh, areas uh, so uh, on on design on collection on resale and also on recycling and really sort of trying to take brands and retailers by the hand in terms of what does it take to start up a, and and you know uh, own a collection scheme if if that makes sense for the uh, for the company I and mean, what does it what does it take to actually look at you know educating uh, designers, for example, in terms of handling um, uh, design strategies internally um, so that you can actually aim for more um, uh, circular products at, at the end. And so this is basically, this was a way to kickstart and make sure that the, that the, um, that the industry could take a, an, a collaborative effort. And we managed to actually get 12.5% of the global industry uh, measured by turnover to engage in this and is that enough no absolutely not i mean we need many more uh companies um and, and bigger percentage of the industry to 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 engage uh but that was the start we uh we 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 kind of got to a good position in in 2020 and i think there are as i also mentioned before i mean there are already a lot of initiatives um focusing on this but we still need to get more companies on board so that it's not only the usual suspects um, that participate in all the different initiatives. Um, on the specific question, um, I think it's, um, I mean, basically, you know, the question being how to overcome the, the disconnect between brands and uh, manufacturers on the one side and textile collectors and sorters in Europe on the other hand. I think, you know, it's, it's first of all, we need to make sure that there is uh, much more conversation between the different parties. And um, I think we, at Global Fashion Agenda, have started to initiate and see the importance in, in, in actually working with that, um, that collaboration. Um, and certainly also, this is something that we've done through 
the, um, the, the policy hub uh, that I was mentioning before, you know, the collaboration between uh, Global Fashion Agenda, Sustainable Power Coalition, Federation of European Sporting Goods Industries, uh, Textile Exchange and CDHC, um, we've actually, we've, we've come together um, to not just within, within that group, but also expanding that group to speak with a number of uh, stakeholders within recycling um, and uh, sorting and, and so on to start the dialogue and to basically basically say that we should we need to act as one system uh, we, you know a lot of people talk about systemic change but let's make sure that we get that system together in one room which can be difficult because it's quite a complex system and, and quite a lot a lot of players but I think we've started that with a particular focus um, on on EPR and see if we can actually align some of the thinking um, that exists already in you know different pockets um, but actually align it um, and it requires time uh, unfortunately so yes uh, there's 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 still more conversation needed but I think we've um, we've we've had um, we've come a long way um, and so you know I, I think and also one one other element just to add to that I think um, certainly um, brands, manufacturers, and then of course also uh, textile collectors and sorters, but certainly also the municipalities are important in this, in, in this, uh, in this connection. So, yeah, thanks. And um, something, we, something we have a question for you. Um, when exporting secondhand clothes, how can it be ensured that they don't contain non-wearable products, uh, even if they are sorted beforehand? Okay, that's a very good question, in fact, and I'd like to explain a little bit, a little bit more about that. Um, as I said in my in my keynote opening, uh, a reusable item is only reusable when it's actually marketable. Um, so when we talk about this sorting process, it's it's really an essential step in preparing for reuse. Um, it is a very detailed sorting process in most cases, and it's also done by professional professional knowledgeable sorters, uh, and it's actually they're constantly searching for the, de uh, the balance between what is found in the unsorted textiles and what is the demand in the global uh, secondhand markets. Um, if I just look at the sorting process in, in our sorting plans, um, the items are sort sorted in, into 400 different uh, categories uh, and also up to five different qualities. So there's a very meticulous process that is balancing uh, the, the what we find with with the demand uh, and very simply said I mean um, the the textiles that are exported for, to worldwide second-hand markets they are exported in in most cases to wholesalers um, if there are any uh, unusable unusable or unwearable items found inside um, in the end the sorting plant will lose clients over that uh, because clients pay for the textiles and if they find uh, items in there that they cannot uh, sell again or use again or wear again then you will have a problem with that um, so yeah I hope that that sort of answers the question thank you and next we have a question for Miss Butter uh, from Helmut Maurer uh, how do you think we should organize textile waste prevention Yes, I mean, that's uh, that's the big uh, elephant anyway, when I was uh, talking about the slowing down the loop and uh, right, reducing the, the resources and kind of 
just to, to go back to to a place it's really important that indeed the designer are trained so that they um when they do design products they have this longevity in mind and the quality of the of the product that they the, that are put on the market are fine for use and then uh, ultimately fine for for recycling uh, recycling so you were saying prevention of waste i mean uh, this is a really a big one i mean we should all wear our clothes longer having them for for long and just use them more um <laughs> give them to your friends swap them uh and mend them and repair them and uh, just uh, make sure that i mean we have we're here we have all our clothes on our on our I mean, we all wear clothes. Uh, let's make the most out of the one, the one that um, we already have. I do think that there are really a lot of things about circularity. There is recycling, as uh, has been said by many, and that's uh, designing for circularity is one of the options, but there are really um, design for durability and design for reuse that should also be taken into account. Thank you. And I know as the, the smallest person in my friendship group, I have often ended up with the second-hand clothes. Uh, and uh, sorry, Kira, sorry. I just had one one little point to add for for the for the um, the recycled material, etc. Uh, for us, it's very important that that comes from closed loop recycling, because we know. I mean, there is quite a lot of buzz around on PET bottle being um, reused in to produce fleece, etc., etc. Um, uh, we have to be mindful that um, there is as well here a very uh, comprehensive uh, strategy that needs to be tackled. So PET bottle, if you take them out from the plastic, uh, let's say, coherent waste streams, when you put them in the market on as textile, what we have agreed is that there is really not a lot of opportunity for recycling as there are so many roadblocks that need to be lifted. But if you do put them there, then the additional PET bottles that could come out of this PET bottle won't happen and they just ended up in textile that then would be taken out of the market. Thank you. And we have time for two quick questions before we, we uh, wrap up. So the first to Ms. Rincon Liavana uh, from Sarah Marshall. How do we ensure we take the public with us, people who want new fashion without knowing or caring about the environmental and social costs? And what can we do financially to help support manufacturers to re reduce pollution, for instance, water pollution? Well, it's uh, two different type of questions. I, I will pick up on the first one. Uh, I think that uh, addressing uh, fast fashion is slowing down, uh, as uh, Valeria was saying, has uh, a lot to do with waste prevention. And uh, the focus on waste prevention, reducing waste or keeping the, the product in use for longer and um, changing as well the mindset of consumers that uh, look into reusing instead of buying a new one. It's all part of a comprehensive change of mindset that uh, it, the Circular Economy Action Plan introduces as the sustainable product policy framework that encompasses on one hand design for sustainability and on the other empowering consumer to make better choices and to tackle this, this type of controversy when deciding what to buy. And it also looks in sustainable production processes to make sure that the, during production, uh, the emissions are reduced 
Um, we have in the European Union the emission, the industrial emissions directives that apply to textile facilities, uh, to textile installations, and that is currently being reviewed to increase the, the contribution to the objective of the European Green Deal. Um, that uh, will also increase the, 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 the contribution to, of these uh, installations to, to reduce pollution. Um, I think I have uh, more or less covered uh, both points, uh, or I hope at least. Thank you. And our final question goes to you, Mr. Donfleet, uh, from Maria Teresa Scrivani. To, um, is mechanical recycling uh, possible, or do you foresee a need for chemical recycling? and which is the most suitable for textiles? Okay, again, a very good question. Um, in fact, uh, mechanical recycling is possible and it is already happening. And that was uh, the 30% more or less that I was talking about. 15% of that is for the wiper industry. And another 15% you could say is um, shredded uh, and, and used as I explained in uh, isolation materials and such. Um, I'm by far not a, a technical ex uh, expert on uh, textile recycling, uh, but I do know um, um, why it is um, difficult at the moment. Uh, and I think at the moment, I think it will stay difficult. Uh, it has to do with the fact that most of our clothes are multi-layered. I mean, if you look at your average winter coat or, or even just a, a blazer jacket, you will see um, multiple layers and those two layers are not of the, not of the same material. Uh, another problem is that if we separate the two layers and we look what what is inside, there's often a mix of fibers in there. Um, the mix of fibers is also difficult because that also means that you now have to separate these fibers. Uh, you need to isolate them in order for them to be recycled. Uh, at the moment, um, the main focus is on the cotton fiber because that is also the environmental impact on virgin production um, and also polyester fibers. Uh, so there's quite a, a few good processes that are uh, being developed at the moment. Uh, but, you know, it's unfortunately our clothes are not all just cotton or, or polyester. <laughs> there are many more. Uh, so that makes it it makes it very challenging from a technical point of view. It also uh, um, stresses the need for uh, funding for innovation. Um, and in my belief, I think with the uh, upcoming strategy on textiles, uh, with the legislation and with the EPR systems that are emerging in, in, in various EU member states, uh, within now in five years, we will, we will be looking at a different playing field uh, when it comes to the textile value chain. And I really hope uh, that playing field will also incorporate uh, a, more text, uh, a more circular model. Don't, don't Thank you. Stop. I think it's we don't really think about what we're buying. We don't really look at the label when when we buy it. But obviously, there are really yeah. complex recycling procedures for it. Uh, thank you all for your questions and thank you to our panelists for answering them. We have time for a couple of minutes uh, for each of our speakers to say what they're going to take away from today's talk. And uh, Ms. let's start with you. You have two minutes. What has stood out for you? Uh, this seems to be quite a lot of a very good first steps uh, that have been taken. And as you see from, from the discussion today, there is a lot of stakeholders that, that are active and we're sharing knowledge and try to, to, to get to, to some, some sort of solution because this is really an issue and it is a pressing issue and we need to really change the linear nature of, of this industry towards a more circular one. Um, there has been uh, so many things that are, are, have been uh, quoted today 
uh, with be that the, the sustainable product policy initiative, uh, the, the textile strategy, the green claims, EPR. I mean, these are all um, the due diligence, um, all part of a puzzle, and they all need to to move towards, uh, uh, let's say, yeah, um, a future where we will just uh, use our things for longer and mend them and have the externality, both the social and the environmental externalities embedded in the products themselves so that we understand when we have products what they they do mean and uh, and uh, yes and indeed i mean green claims this is also something that is a is a big one for for me overall um there was i mean and the destruction of uh, of goods i mean we need to prevent the destruction uh, of goods to ban it because applied with a digital product passport that would provide a, some kind of sort of visibility and incentive to tackle the overproduction so that uh, for me i mean uh, thank you very much for having us and uh, this seems to be very timely and kind of a first conversation for many more to come and looking forward to that thank you miss button mr ada hansen what will you take away from today's event um, first of all, I think it's it's amazing to witness um, that the broader recycling industry um, is now uh, focusing on uh, the fashion and textile industry. I know that pockets uh, of the of the recycling industry have done that for ages. I was about to say, um, but I think it is crucial for the broader recycling industry to to really see the opportunities in exactly working on so together with the industry in, in creating um, the right products, but also the right uh, processes and systems uh, in order to go for a, um, a circular circular system. And I think it's 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 really um, it's it's really encouraging to see um, how um, policymakers, I mean, uh, certainly the the european commission but also the european parliament um have really understood also the importance of, of focusing on this industry and and not just because we um as an industry uh, certainly have a lot of challenges um and also need support from policymakers but also because um consumers to a large extent are demanding this um and consumers also are citizens and therefore also elect uh, the, uh, the people in the parliament. Um, so I think this, this is an interesting um, dimension where we see more and more players uh, come together, um, you know, finding the, a shared route towards this, uh, this vision. Um, and so it's, I can just confirm that the industry is also on board. Um, as I mentioned, there might be, a, you know, still a way to go uh, to have you know, more front runners, more leaders within the industry. We see a lot of usual suspects, but um, to really get a lot more um, industry players into the room uh, to actually also uh, participate. And then certainly for the industry to speak with one voice uh, also towards policymakers, to, towards recyclers. And of course, that's also what and, and why the policy hub is put in the in the place. Thank you, Ms. Sonfli. Uh, what will be your takeaways from today? Well, first of all, uh, thanks, Jonas. Thanks, Valeria. Thanks, Maria. Uh, and also thank you, uh, Mrs. Burkhardt. Um, 
a lot has been said today and uh, it's, it's really great to see all the, the different uh, points of view coming forward. Uh, and I think it's very valuable to have these, uh, these talks together because that's also what I mentioned in my, in my opening speech. This, this dialogue, this communication between all the different stakeholders is really essential. Um, uh, for um, what Ms. Burkhardt said also earlier, I think it's also um, good to, to mention that it is being seen that the quality of, of the textiles that are uh, collected has really deteriorated. And this uh, means that now uh, fewer textiles can be are, are fit to be reused um, or reworn. So um, Valeria was stressing that also, and we also stress that for textiles, uh, durability in design is, is really essential to return. We need to move away from the fast fashion model, model and make sure that the clothes that, that come onto the market are durable and can be used, worn again as long as possible, uh, because every piece of clothing that can be worn again means that there's one piece of clothing less produced or needs to be produced. Um, the design for recycling, eco-design, uh, is very important. We talked about a little bit about mechanical recycling that's already happening. I hadn't mentioned, but I can still do that now, that it would be very interesting to see um, a list of showstoppers there because there are, you know, if you have non-textile materials in the textiles that go for mechanical recycling, they can really hamper uh, the whole process and, and make it, in, in fact, impossible. So we also need to think about that, or we, the designers, have to think about that in the, in, in the design, but we need to tell them. Um, last but not least, incentivize use of recycled content. I cannot stress that enough. Um, we need to make the economics work in textile recycling in order to um, make our textile chain more circular. Um, so thank you all. Thank you. And Mr. Nkondi you have the honour of closing our debate today. What have been the main points for you? <laughs> Thank you very much. It's indeed an honour. And I'm, uh, I see this uh, first talk as an opportunity to continue discussing on, on open challenges. Uh, many have been mentioned how to uh, slow down consumption of textiles, of new textiles, how to improve the quality of the textiles that uh, reach uh, uh, recycling and sorry, reuse markets to ensure that reuse is possible and, and there's an economic feasibility of it. Um, uh, what do we need to improve mech uh, mechanical recycling of textile? Do we need to act at the design phase? It's more a question of, of technologies. What's the role of chemical recycling? So there's still uh, a lot of uh, ongoing conversations that uh, I, I think we still need in order to make this uh, shift towards circularity happen. I, I see upcoming the opportunity to continue these discussions in, in the framework and in the context of the consultation activities of the preparation of the, of the initiative on textiles that is they are upcoming. More information will be shared in the Have Your Say portal of the European Commission. And uh, I think that beyond all the initiatives that have been mentioned, uh, the Sustainable Product Initiative, Green Claim, Due Diligence, uh, Recyclability, Recycle Content, I think this is a joint endeavor. And uh, only by co-creating together uh, the future and the vision of, of the textile sector we want is that we will uh, make possible to, to have a real circular textile uh, sector and ecosystem. So with that, uh, I, I think I, I would like to, to finish. Thank you and thank you to all our panellists today. Thank you to our audience for your wonderful questions. Apologies, we couldn't get around to all of them. Uh, I will now pass over to Emmanuel Kajikis, the Secretary General of UREC for the final remarks.
I've been Kira Taylor. Thank you for joining us. And Mr. Kachkis, you have the floor. Thank you very much. I hope you can hear me properly. Yes. Okay. First of all, I really want to thank all the speakers and the audience for these very interesting recyclers talks. This, these, those are the second ones that we are indeed uh, having. And um, I think when we are reaching the end of those uh, panels, we all will feel that we need at least one extra hour to go through all the questions that we see. So I think we would be extremely happy to try to follow up with uh, some of them if, if there is any need, so you can always reach out to us. I also want to stress that we, we do not have a choice to move towards a circular economy. It's an absolute must, uh, both in terms of demand from society, in terms of demand to uh, basically preserve the environment, decouple resource use from, from growth, and actually reach the climate targets. Uh, we have no planet B, so we really have to uh, to do it. And it has to make sense in terms from um, for the consumers, first and foremost, it has to make sense from an industrial uh, value chain approach because I think we are now going away or trying to move away from the crisis and it's absolutely essential that we look at the, the opportunities that moving towards a circular economy uh, brings in terms of economic growth, but sustainable economic growth. Um, and I think if we today are speaking about the circular economy here for textiles, is primarily because so far we didn't manage to do that. We don't we don't start from scratch. I had the pleasure to to visit a lot of, of facilities who are doing a wonderful job in uh, collecting, sorting, preparing for use and recycling uh, textile fibers and and and, and secondhand textiles. But at the same uh, on the same hand, it's really important to scale up. And I think what we all ask wherever we come from, whether we come from the angle of the textiles value chain, or whether we come from the angle of, of ECOS and, and other NGOs with whom we're working, is to have the signal, the price signal, the consumer signals, the right framework to enable that transition to happen. So um, without trying to sum up all the interesting debates that have been said, I just want to stress, I think, two or three elements. Uh, first, to have the signals, it's really important to make sure that the, the positive externalities that sustainable activities beat preparation for reuse or recycling bring into society that requires, for instance, real incentives, but also targets for reuse and for recycled content uh, to make sure that we are all aiming towards the, 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 the same direction, that we have those framework conditions in place to enable investments and scale up. And at the same hand, we obviously need to make sure that consumers are aware of sustainable products versus non-sustainable products so we can go and responsibilize consumer who asked me for that to make the right choices. And in, in that, I mean, these those two key elements, I think, for instance, that EPR has a key role to play to make sure that we also make sure that we bring all the different elements of the value chains from design to use phase to end of life phase. And, and this is also extremely relevant for, for textiles. I don't want obviously to go more into uh, the details. I think it was really interesting to open up uh, that discussion today. We as Zurich Textile, we strive and the companies that we represent through our federation and, 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 and member companies, we strive actually on a day-to-day -day basis for decades uh, to go, for the, for, for the past decades and decades to come, to have a more circular textiles uh, industry as a whole. But we also know that without those market signal and uh, framework conditions, 
we won't be able to do that. So we really actually call for the Commission to uh, release this uh, textile strategy. We also call for continuous stakeholder engagement with the textile industry to whom we are part and with engineers to at the end of the day, which try to make the best because, as I said, my introductory, we really need to make it happen in this industry as a whole. Thank you. Thank you very much. And just as a concluded statement, stay tuned because we have more services uh, to come and they will be uh, duly advertised in the coming days on, on your uh, website. Thank you.